is this is tiny talks radio brought to you by sheer enjoyment radio powered by radio.co this is the sheer where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep tonight's episode is called the ingredients of empathy rehashing what we talked about in the past the recipe for empathy but in a little bit of a different spin it is in commemoration of the yard site of the second yard site of the Mord Asr of our town, Harav Yehuda Ben Dov Bear. It's also sponsored Le'iloi Nishmas Chaya Rachel Bas David Svi. Both Aliyot should have, both Nishamot should have an Aliyah and they should only know from good things. You're able to listen to the Shiurim on different podcast forms afterwards, after the fact, on iTunes, on Podbean, and Spotify, and the like. If you want to make a podcast, we'd be happy to have you come join us at jewishpodcast.fm, the premier website to make a podcast. My shows are on there, and it's a wonderful place to be. And you're able to have the Shiur not only sent out to the world, but of course to our sister app as well, Yidpod, Y-I-D-P-O-D, which you should download today in the Google Play or Apple App Store. In addition to the Shiur Enjoyment Radio app, which you should have on your phone already on Google Play or Apple App Store, where you can listen to our Shiurim around the clock. And Yidpod, you could listen to the best Jewish podcast content out there. Of course, you could call us at 520-453-8302, 520-453-8302. That is to call into our number. You could also email us at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. And you could, of course, email me anytime, especially if you're interested in setting up a podcast through jewishpodcast.fm. I'm happy to help you. Tani G here. You can email me at tani at jewishpodcast.org, or you can email me at maximumtee at yahoo.com. Again, this year should be as a chus for the rabbi and as well as the other neshama. Their, uh, their neshamot should have an aliyah. The question becomes, though, to think about for tonight how do we think about the idea of empathy? For some people, like my wife, who are empaths by nature, it's not so difficult. For the rest of us, especially for me, didn't grow up with that muscle in myself. How do you have empathy? What does it mean to really have empathy for another person? How can we really feel for other people? The question becomes, how do we put ourselves and the other person's shoes, really understanding what they need, really understanding how to go about it, how to be in their space, in their shoes, in their life, and looking at things from their viewpoint. How do we really feel for other people? The definition from the dictionary defining empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another, whereas sympathy is feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune understanding between people common feeling we got to think about what empathy really means and skillsunit.com talks about how there are different types of empathy there's cognitive there's emotional and then there's compassionate we'll talk about it so cognitive empathy also known as perspective taking is basically being able to put yourself into someone else's place and see their perspective that enables you to put yourself in someone else's shoes but without necessarily engaging with their emotions so obviously not the best type to have there's also emotional empathy when you quite literally feel the other person's emotions alongside them as if you had caught the emotions also known as personal distress or emotional contagion 
This is closer to the usual understanding of the word empathy, but more emotional can be both good and bad, technically. Emotional empathy is good because it means that we can readily understand and feel other people's emotions, which is vital for those in caring professions, such as doctors, nurses, therapists, and teachers, to be able to respond to patients and students appropriately. It also means can respond to friends and others when they are distressed. But it is bad. Emotional empathy is bad because it's possible to become overwhelmed by those emotions and therefore unable to respond, also known as empathy overload. We don't want that. Good self-control helps doctors and nurses and teachers and therapists to avoid possible burnout from empathizing too much. There's a danger, however, that they can become hardened and callous and not respond appropriately. You know, you think about these people in different professions, a firefighter, a cop. If they get too callous, they get too burnt out, they get overloaded and they see terrible, tragic, you know, horrific, horrible things every day and then they become hardened on it, then we have to be worried. Then we have to be concerned because then they're not connected anymore and then it's almost as if they don't have emotion and maybe it's not good for them to be in those positions anymore. On the other hand, we can't be too detached either. We can't be too detached. We can't be too attached. There has to be a good middle ground. And then comes the idea of the compassionate empathy. Compassionate empathy is what we usually understand by empathy. Feeling someone's pain and taking action to help. Compassion is about feeling concerned for someone, but with an additional move towards action to mitigate the problem. Compassionate empathy is usually the type of empathy that is usually most appropriate and most apropos for the situation at hand. As a general rule, people who want or need your empathy usually need you to understand and sympathize with what they are going through and crucially either take or help them to take action to resolve the problem. Some others explain that there are two other forms of empathy, that of somatic and that of spiritual. Somatic empathy is defined as feeling someone else's pain physically. For example, if you see someone hurt, you too might feel physical pain. Anecdotally, identical twins sometimes report that they know when the other has been hurt, which might be an example of somatic empathy. You can see an echo of somatic empathy. For example, if someone is hit in the stomach with a ball during a sports game, which I'm not from Sashinks, and one or two of the spectators may double over as if they too had been hit. Spiritual empathy is defined as a direct connection with a higher being or consciousness. It is the same as enlightenment in the Eastern philosophical tradition considered to be achievable through meditation. Chabad.org explains that the Talmud rules that a man's wife is as his own body. Rabbi Aryeh Levine famously, who passed away in 1969, famously known as the Tzaddik of Yerushalayim, the Tzaddik of Jerusalem, exemplified this ideal in concrete form. On one occasion, when accompanying his wife to a Jerusalem clinic, he explained to the physician, Doctor, my wife's foot is hurting us. 
The Kitzur Shulchan Aruch points out in 63.1, A person must be particularly careful not to hurt his wife's feelings and not to cause her pain with harsh words, for a woman is sensitive by nature, and even a slight hurt will bring tears to her eyes. So real empathy is feeling the true pain of another, especially a spouse within your own very being. Of course, if we're not on the level, we have to try our best day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, week by week, year by year to get to a higher level. We're not asking you. We're not saying, I'm not saying that we're on Rabbi Ariel Levine's level, which is Halavai, we should get there one day. But a little bit, a little bit every day, a little empathy goes a long way. Rabbi Sachs tells a wonderful story on RabbiSachs.org adapted from William Uri, The Power of a Positive No. Hotter Mobius, 2007-77-80. A young American living in Japan to study Aikido was sitting one afternoon in a train in the suburbs of Tokyo. The carriage was half empty. There were some mothers with children and elderly people going shopping. At one of the stations, the doors opened and a man staggered in the carriage, shouting, drunk, dirty, and aggressive. He started cursing the people and lunged at a woman holding a baby. The blow hit her and sent her into the lap of an elderly couple. They jumped up and ran to the other end of the carriage. This angered the drunk, who went after them, grabbing a metal pole and trying to wrench it out of its socket. It was a dangerous situation, and the young student readied himself for a fight. Before he could do so, however, a small elderly man in his 70s, dressed in a kimono, shouted, Hey! to the drunk in a friendly manner. Come here and talk to me. The drunk came over as if in a trance. Why should I talk to you, he said. What have you been drinking, asked the old man. Saki, he said, and it's none of your business. Oh, that's wonderful, said the old man. You see, I love Saki too. Every night, me and my wife, she's 76, you know. We warm up a little bottle of sake. I have no idea what that is. I'm assuming it's delicious. And take it out into the garden. And we sit down on an old wooden bench. We watch the sun go down. We look to see how our persimmon tree is doing. My great-grandfather planted that tree. As he continued talking, gradually the drunk's face began to soften. And his fist slowly unclenched. Yes, he said, I love persimmons too. And I'm sure, said the old man smiling, you have a wonderful wife. No, replied the drunk, my wife died. Gently, he began to sob. I don't got no wife. I don't got no home. I don't got no job. I'm so ashamed of myself. Tears rolled down his cheeks. As the train arrived at the student's stop, and, and he was leaving the train. He heard the old man sighing sympathetically. My, my, this is a difficult predicament indeed. Sit down here and tell me all about it. In the last glimpse he saw of them, the drunk was sitting with his head in the old man's lap. The man was softly stroking his hair. What he had sought to achieve by muscle, the old man had achieved with kind words. A story like this illustrates the power of empathy. 
of seeing the world through someone else's eyes, entering into their feelings, and of acting in such a way as to let them know that they are understood, that they are heard, that they matter. Very famously, the Torah points out in different sources that a soft word can turn away an angry remark, can talk, can turn around, can turn away angry words and angry disposition. I talk about this often. When someone comes at you belligerently, aggressively, intimidatingly, not real words, and comes at you trying to knock you down, trying to be getting the power of the situation, really, the best thing to do, and the Torah confirms this, the best thing to do is either to respond very softly or not to respond at all. Because if you look at the situation from an outsider perspective, stepping outside yourself for a second, on some level we have to feel bad for this person, this aggressor, this bully, because they have such a low self-esteem, they have no self-worth that they have to attack the person opposite them. So the best thing to do is not to give in to that, not to give them the satisfaction, but to speak softly or to speak quietly at all. And when you're in a situation, you see these people, you see this elderly man just had the wisdom, had the wherewithal, had the knowledge, had the presence of mind, the presence of situation, presence of body, what to do for this drunk person, what to do to help this person. To look at the situation, the power of a kind word, a kind outlook, a kind internal feeling can dissuade all the anger and all the madness in the world. If only we would learn a little bit, just a little bit, to harness such a great power of empathy, the world could be and would be a much warmer and loving place. You know, as parents, Halavai, everybody should be zochad to find their zivug and have children, have only good things in this world. In general, though, when children do things that are very difficult to respond to, a knee-jerk reaction is to get mad, to get angry, to get shouting and yelling, the normal reaction. But to take a step back and instead say, why do you think they did this? Why are they involved in this? Why are they yelling? Why are they tantruming? me? Why are they on the floor of the store? The entire store is looking at me. I just wanted to get some watermelons. Why are they kicking and screaming, literally? Sometimes if we take, an, uh, take a step back... And I am very guilty of this, not doing this. If we take a step back and look at the child, look at the person, why are they doing this? What is the reason? Is there a way we could step into their tiny shoes, into their tiny feet and see why they need to do this? If we could think about it from an empath point of view, what do they need right now? What are they missing? Why did they do this? Maybe that could be a way also to address situations like that. The Torah tells us, that we need to have empathy by caring for others and society might let slip through the crack otherwise. For example, in Shemos, we just had this in this past week's Parsha, when Moshe meets Hashem at the mountain, Hashem appears to him in a flame of fire from within the thorn bush and the flame famously is not destroying the thorn bush. How many people saw this and didn't notice, but Moshe of course saw it. The thorn bush was beating with, burning with the fire, but it was not being consumed. From within the thornbush, Rashi points out, but not from any other tree, because I am with him in distress. Hashem is showing that the, the tree is not being consumed, even the fire is, is consuming it, because Hashem is also with them in that situation. Hashem went down with them when they went redu, the 210 that Yaakov prophesies. When they went down to Mitzrayim, Hashem went down with them, but he didn't let the fire totally consume them, because Hashem was with them in the presence of mind, Kiviachal, and was with them as well. Sefer Karm points out in Mamar 4 
The meaning of the bris is that he would be with them. Hashem would be with them in distress, sympathize with them in trouble, even as the whole body shares in the pain of its limbs. As the rabbis say, this shechina Hashem suffers in the suffering of the Bnei Yisrael. As he says, I will be with him in trouble. Just as a person suffers when his friend with whom he has a covenant is in trouble, so to Hashem suffers, kaviachal, as it will, when Bnei Yisrael is in trouble. Rabbeinu Bachia, or Bachaya points out in Dvarim, a Pasuk testifies to the empathy of Hashem with the pain of the Jewish people is found in Yeshaya, when it says, Behold Sarasim Lotzar, in all its troubles. Hashem is troubled. We have to understand, <clears throat> we have to understand the words kilalat elokim in a similar fashion describing God's empathy with this particular individual's fate. Devarim points out when Moshe is talking to the people in the last 36 days of his life in the parshiot of the Sefer of Devarim, I fell down before Hashem for 40 days and 40 nights and neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sins you had committed. By doing evil in the eyes of Hashem to anger him, I was frightened of the wrath and the fury that Hashem was angry with you to destroy you. And with Aaron, the Lord was also very upset. Hashem was also very upset to destroy him. I prayed also for Aaron at that time. We see time and time again, even from the beginning, even in Shamos, how Moshe was feeling the pain of the Jewish people. Moshe talks about when Hashem wants to destroy the people, that if he's going to destroy them at the Chet Egel, erase me from your Torah. You're going to get rid of the Jewish people. I don't want to part anymore. Erase me also. Moshe stands up for the fight when the Mitzri is beating the Jew. He takes out the Mitzri. When he sees that there are people in distress, he steps up. When he sees the sheep are, are all over the place, he's a shepherd, of course, as well. Hashem notices that he's a shepherd and says, someone who has that compassion on my creatures will have that compassion on the humans. We need to have the empathy on some level looking towards the leaders who had it as well. As Hashem is always with us and our true leaders feel for us, so should we really feel for others as if we ourselves are in pain and look how to help. Vayikra also points out, the Sefer, that early on, Judaism tries to hone us in on how to care for others, those that are not taken care of, those that are not helped, that might be falling by the wayside in society, especially the Ger. You will treat the Ger who dwells with you like any other citizen. You will love him like yourself, for you were Gerim in the land of Egypt. I am Hashem, your God. Only a person who could have felt as a ger himself back in Mitzrayim could really be empathetic and really help someone who is an actual ger. Someone who was in those shoes once upon a time should be able to help someone else who's in those shoes nowadays or whenever they're talking and meeting these people. Shemos also points out you must not hurt the feelings of an alien resident. Not even a gear, but someone who comes to the community, someone who comes to the town who's not used to being there, who's from out of town, who's visiting. Don't oppress him. Don't take away his possessions. Make sure to help him. You were once helpless gerim in the land of Egypt, in the land of Mitzrayim. Shemos also points out, don't oppress a stranger. You know the feelings of the stranger. You yourself were strangers in the land of Mitzrayim. Devarim points out, love the unprotected Ger as Hashem loves him for you are Gerim in the land of Mitzrayim. From that bitter experience where, God willing, we're about to read that we're going to be redeemed in a few weeks. From, from this bitter experience, you will learn to sympathize with the Ger, hopefully in your land. So Rabbeinu Bachi points out in Shemos, the Torah reminds us all these times that we of all people 
should have empathy for strangers, and not just a stranger that is ger, who comes to our fold, who, who previously was not Jewish, previously was not related to the fold, even a stranger to your town, a stranger to your community, a stranger to your block, a stranger to your house, first time they're coming to visit. Make sure you have compassion for them and help them out, especially if they're coming on a brutal hot day, walking across town, especially if they're coming on a brutally cold day, walking across town. You know what would be cool to do? If they come <coughs> and it's brutally cold outside, what can they do? Set up a nice station of hot cocoa and hot tea when they show up so they could warm up. And if it's brutally hot out, wouldn't it be nice the first thing they see when they walk into your house is ice-cold lemonade, ice-cold water. Wow, I really appreciate that extra step you took. I know myself when I drag my spouse and my kids across town and we're parched from thirst, we could totally really <laughs> use a cup of water. That is something very simple on some level. Know the feelings of that gear. Whatever situation you come, they're coming across town to see you, to, to have a meal by you, but they're parched, parched, parched. Don't make them wait 30 minutes, even just to have a sip of water. Give it to them right away. They came all the way across. We got to take care of and feel for those who may fall through the cracks in society and around us and even people in different situations. How can we help them? How could we do for them? And how could we feel for them? Of course, Devarm points out that we have to be careful to take care of the orphan and the widow. I never know the definition. Does an orphan mean that you have no parents or does an orphan mean that you lose one parent? I think everyone should always have their parents and may have some shana. But even if a person is missing one parent, God, for, God forbid knowing from the idea of losing both. But Allah has come of a comma if you lost both, if a person lost both, God do. <coughs> Got to do justice and compassion and care for the orphan and the widow, loving the foreigner, granting him food and clothing. Kitzur Shulchan Aruch talks about being careful with the way you treat orphans and others to speak kindly to them, to treat them respectfully, not to hurt them with words because their souls are very depressed, their spirits are low even if they are wealthy. Even if it's an orphan of a king, we're warned in the Torah for it states, do not mistreat these people. A covenant was made for them by Hashem who takes care of them. He will hear their cries. He will understand what they speak out to him. Rambam points out in Mishnah Torah, in the human dispositions, one ought to be especially cautious when dealing with these orphans and other people like that because they are particularly depressed and low-spirited even though they may be wealthy. You should not mistreat this person, as Shmos points out. How should we behave towards them? One should address them with tender words be unfailingly courteous with them, courteous to them. One must not cause them pain physically through hard work or emotionally through harsh words. One should take greater care of their property than one's own. If a person irritates them or vexes them, hurts their feelings or tyrannizes over them, God forbid, or causes them financial loss, violates a prohibition, still more so if one strikes them or curses them, there is no distinction between orphans bereft of either father or mother. So I guess that's what it means to be an orphan in general. No one should know from this, any such things like that. Till when are they called orphans in this respect? To the time when they are in no need of an adult person on whom to depend. Who should bring them up and take care of them? When one of them can adequately care for himself like all other grown people, he is long, no longer considered an orphan. I will say, and I digress, 
That a person who has dealt a hard life, a hard situation, doesn't mean that you could get away scot-free with murder. doesn't mean you could get away scot-free with treating people unfairly. Yes, it might be that you were dealt a hard situation in life. We should never know from such things from widows or widowers or orphans or anything like that. But it doesn't mean that you could get away with anything. You know, a person can have a dealt a hard life. But they can't take it out on others. They can't lash out on others. Not to be aggressive or bullying or narcissistic or hateful towards other people. A person has to be still nice and kind and courteous to other people. You know that the 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 Rebbe, the, of, of course I'm forgetting offhand, but there was a Rebbe who went through the, the Holocaust and he lost so many people. The Klausenberger Rebbe, right? He lost his wife and how many children I can't even remember. Who besides him, could have been so justified in being angry and mad at Hashem, mad at life, and to treat everybody with uh, with uh, anger and disgust and distaste. But he didn't do that. He rebuilt his whole dynasty, made beautiful hospitals in Israel, started a whole other family, I believe, got married again and had more kids. So nobody can use the example of, of these kind of things. I had a terrible life. I was dealt a terrible life. So you have to do for me. You know what it says in the Torah? Yes. But you have to also take care of the world. And you have to listen to the mitzvahs and listen to Hashem and do what you can. And understand that we may never understand or realize Bagam Zula Tova. There are so many people, so many stories of... of, of uh, of different things in, in the Tanakh, of so many people that have so many sad stories. Even David Amalekh, you know, he had that crazy situation, the crazy incident, and after the fact, after the whole Bacheva Oriya situation, he loses a child. And for the seven days that the child is sick, you know, he's crying and he's fasting. The second that the that Hashem made the decision, he gets up, he eats, and he dons clothing. And his servants are like, what is going on here, David? These seven days, you're not eating, you're not drinking, you're not being involved in anything. The second that, that it's over, you 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 get up, well, what's going on here? And, and David says, the whole time, I was praying, hoping something would change. And once Hashem decided, that's it. I got to go about and do what I can. So we have to make sure that even if life situations ourselves are dealt to us that are very difficult, that Hashem gives to us, it's not an excuse. It doesn't allow us to play victim. It doesn't allow us to bully and aggressivize other people, especially those closest to us. We have to still go about doing the mitzvahs and following what Hashem wants from us in our own life. The Kitzur Shulchan Aruch points out in 34, it is forbidden to turn away a poor person empty-handed. Even if you only give him a dried fig, a mere pittance, you can't let him turn back in disgrace. If you have nothing to give him, console him with words. It is forbidden to scold a poor person or to raise your voice to him in a shout because he is broken-hearted and humbled. Because it says, a heart that is broken and humbled, Hashem does not despise. You know, there are famous stories of people, regular people, regular Balibatim and Balatbatim, I guess you call it, who didn't have the money to give to the poor person that came to knock on their door and they weren't called the Shnara, they weren't called these derogatory mean terms. They were regular people trying to raise money for whatever situation. Many of us have seen many of these people in shul and at home and coming to the doors. And you know, there are, there are great people who, even if they don't have the money, they don't turn them away and instead they let them into the house, especially on a cold night. They let them sit at the table, have a little warm tea, have a little piece of cake, and let their soul be bombed with the warmness of being involved in the idea of being taken care of by the host. Even if you can't give them money, sometimes giving them a kind ear 
and a kind listening heart and a kind word can do more for them than any money can do. So even if you can give them the money, and I totally understand many of us can't actually give them the money, give them the time, give them a little cup of hot tea, let them in and let them feel better. I'm not on that level yet. There are great stories of people who could do that. But if you are on that level, do what you can to help those around you. Care for those around us who may lack in what many of us have, whether it be in family, possession, or goods. We should try to put ourselves in others' shoes. Take care of them through truly caring for them. Maud Katam talks about when a person felt his son's pain, he rents his garments in the presence of his son as an express empathy with his son's pain, which no one the things. Dasakana points out in Shemos, I will consider your own problems having due regard for empathy, as Hashem points out. Other people's problems should be taken on as people's own, that they should try to help them out as best they can. Barachos points out at 6B, Rav Papa says, the primary reward for attending a house of mourning, Bey Tamaya, I will tell you, that's actually one of the hardest mitzvahs for me to do. Very, very difficult for me to do on many different levels. Very hard to, to do shiva calls. It's for the silence, which is the optimal manner for those consoling the mourners to express their empathy. Sometimes they don't need you to say a word. Sometimes they don't need you to, to speak for hours and minutes. And it does feel very awkward. It feels very uncomfortable. It's a very, very difficult mitzvah to do, especially for me. But in general, when you just sit there and you're silent, you're with them in their pain. You're with them in their situation. You're with them in their time. And that's just what they need from you. They need you to just be with them. Expressing their empathies by your empathies by sitting with them and feeling for them or just being in the moment with them. Rabbeinu Bachia points out in Bamidbar, the people in question had demonstrated empathy for the people in Egypt by absorbing physical punishment in relation to the taskmasters we learned about last week, <coughs> this week, excuse me, where they literally took the punishment on themselves. They couldn't make the Jews do more and more and more with the mortar and the bricks. And Paro says, why is Moshe talking about going away? It must be that they have free time. We're not going to give them the straw anymore. Too much work asking him, especially for Pitam and Ramses, which kept collapsing, which is like the worst type of work. There's no reason and no rhyme to it. There's no purpose to it. It's like the idea of the guy that's in a dungeon and he's turning a wheel every day, every day. They tell him it's to make millstones for the grinding, for the grain and the water. One day they show him that there's actually nothing attached and he actually collapses. Because when you do work that has no purpose and you see there is no purpose, the, all the hope is diminished, all the hope is gone. A terrible thing to do to the person. So here, in Mitzrayim, they basically were doing purposeless work, which is very, very difficult. So the taskmasters know that Paro is asking too much, and they themselves take it upon themselves to be that leader. They take the beatings, they take the punishment, rather than forcing the people to do extra work. So Hashem says, I'm aware these people demonstrated empathy for the people in Mitzrayim, absorbing physical punishment on their own selves, rather than inflicting it on their people. And this Farno also points out in Shemos, the overseers of the Jews who are being beaten for showing empathy with the people, that's who Hashem is talking about. Because sometimes actions are louder than words. Actions are needed, not words Real empathy, whether an outpouring of grief or sitting in shared grief or just taking the beatings on behalf of someone else. Mishnah Torah points out the Rambam and the gifts to the poor. If someone gives, and this is, a, this is a level for many of us to try to do, especially myself, when we need to give, we want to give, I like to be generous, I like to give, but sometimes chesed's not so convenient. Sometimes it's not so easy. They need a meal now when all four kids are screaming at 5 o'clock. Not easy. Very difficult. 
How can I help them? I'm not happy to do this chesed. If you're going to give it angry, you're going to give it in a in a grunting manner. Those, those sounds that we know. If you're going to give it in such a way, it's not going to be felt in the same way. Rather, when one gives, if one wants to be generous, if one wants to do chesed in the right manner, the Mishnah Torah points out it should be given cheerfully with happiness and empathy for a person's plight, for another person's plight. As it says from Hashem, do I not weep for the unfortunate? Do I not grieve for the needy? Make sure to give cheerfully, happily, and with empathy, even if it's extremely difficult in the moment. Try, try, try again to put the smile into it, even if you don't fully feel it. The Chizkuni points out in Shemos, when it says, Ki Chanun Ani, the lender, who had demonstrated empathy by lending the poor borrower his money in the first place, understands where the person is coming, that he needs to borrow, he's in a place, not a good place, make sure to have the empathy to give him what he needs and don't hold collateral against him, something he also really needs. When we think about Shiloh HaKain, which for some reason is a very controversial mitzvah, I know many years ago I spoke about Shiloh HaKain making comparisons and the people afterwards were like very divided for some reason. Such a simple mitzvah gets such a controversial response. I never understood. Rabbeinu Bachya points out in Devarim, the commandment to send around the mother, send away the mother bird to take the eggs for yourself, it's supposed to teach us empathy and to encourage us to turn our backs on all forms of cruelty. You need the egg, you want the egg, you can't take it from the mother bird while she's literally right there. Even though they might not have you know, feelings like we do and speak like we do and they have the Nefesh Bahami versus the Nefesh HaSichli that we do, you still have to learn how to have a little bit of compassion. Don't take it in front of her herself. Even talking about guz- uh, threshing on the, on the, on the field, Svarna points on Devarim, not muzzling an ox while he threshes is a show of understanding for the ox's feelings and helping to provide food for its owner while himself being denied that same food. Empathy has to be worldwide. It's not just for people. It even is for animals too. The halacha says, if you have a pet, who are you supposed to feed first? You're supposed to feed the animals first. But if you don't have a pet, who are you supposed to feed first? Your spouse, and then your kids, and then yourself. The Svarno points out a Devarim. Again, with the Shalil HaKain, it teaches us that even the display by us of concern for such totally unclaimed eggs or chicks is rewarded by the Creator with the party showing that there is empathy involved. Even the idea of Avadim back in the day, the Akedis Yatzchak points out the commandment concerning treatment of quote-unquote slaves who had become such due to having lost their financial independence is stated here to enlist our empathy. Because it's not just for humans, it's not just for animals, it's all different situations. When when we have the whole idea of Mitzrayim for 210 years and, and 80 or 100, I forget how many years of intense backbreaking labor, the experience of Mitzrayim served a couple of purposes. Teaches that Hashem became the master entitled to order you to do the things that are easy as well as those that are, seem hard, the kid so points out. And also your experience enables you to feel empathy, which of course comes back to the idea of the beginning about the Geirim. Because we were Geirim, we were sojourners, we were strangers in a foreign land. So when strangers come to our land or to our town, to our community, to our homes, we need to have the compassion, the empathy to help them. Mishnei Luchos Abris points out that in general, a lot of the mitzvahs are supposed to teach us to have the empathy, to have the consideration for other people, to 
put aside petty considerations to display empathy with the pain of a human being. By having demonstrated the kind of empathy you're supposed to feel, you may feel confident that should the occasion arise, you too will become the beneficiary of someone else's empathy. We should never need it, but we should have it that people involved are involved in such things. In Ban Midbar, the Kutur Shaslevi talks about the idea of the attribute of Hashem called Rahum, Hashem's ability to attach himself closely to the lower parts of his universe just as a rich man who displays true empathy for the poor person needs to share the poor man's plight and situation. Kododido Fake in, 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 intends to us that a feeling of empathy is a basic fact in the consciousness of shared Jewish faith. The suffering of one segment of the nation is the lot of the entire community because the famous phrase is Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh just because a guy in Japan is having difficulty doesn't mean I could shut my eyes to it here in America. You have to have the ability to understand that the whole nation, our brothers and sisters, were all part of one huge organism of the Jewish people, one huge people, one heart, one people of the Jewish people. That's why when they come to the mountain, they come to Har Sinai, it is seen as because that was one of the only times that the whole nation was united in purpose, united in mission, united in receiving the Torah. It was one organism. Now it's many elements to the organism, but back then they were one people in the same mission, in the same destiny at that time. Halavai, we should all get back to that idea where we all are one unit and one organism. Rav Moshe Care of the Critically Ill points out, as we all knew him, in as people knew him in times of family crisis, was the most competent, cool-headed individual despite his great empathy and emotional involvement with anyone who is under stress. Because a person needs to be able to think and help others how best to help in that situation, how best to be that empath, the practical empath in that position. Sometimes our positions and experiences can lend greater value and more understanding with empathy than others around us. Use your lens of life and it's travel, so help understands what others go through. Understanding that we need to look at what others need. Empathize with the needy person. Empathize with the person who might be coming to the to the situation lacking things that other people have. Even the Pesach Haggadah points out about this in Marbella Sabra. Loving kindness means, called to do... Dofeka explains empathizing with one's fellow man, identifying with his hurt, feeling responsible for his fate. And although Moshe's foreign objectivity benefited the Jewish people, the Redeemer Revelance points out, he could not be their leader if he did not empathize with their affliction. We need to identify with another person's situation so much so that it resonates as if it were our own. God forbid we should never know from bad things. Think of the Shunammite woman who made a home for Elisha on his travels. I find this story very interesting. When Elisha comes to visit Shunam in Malachim Bet, Paragdalan, a wealthy woman lives there. She urges him to have a meal. Whenever he passed by, he would stop there for a meal. One time she said to her husband, I am sure it is a holy man of God who comes this way regularly. Let us make a small enclosed upper chamber. Basically, they turn their attic into a guest area. In our house, the attic has two beds, and the basement also has a couch that becomes beds, and we also have two pull-out cots. So it's an idea of making an attic, making an attic a small enclosed upper space there, a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that he could stop there whenever he comes to them, whenever he comes to us. And you know, due to this, Elisha figured out what they needed, and he felt for them, and he worked 
the idea through Hashem, of course, Hashem granted him the ability, but he worked the idea to give them bracha that they would have a child, and then when the child passes, he revives him, so to speak, through the idea, the miracles of Hashem, of course. But she knew what he needed, and he knew what her needed, and then they both figured out what they could do to help the other person. Because we need to try to feel for the other people, for those around us, empathizing with their needs, and like the Shunammite woman, do what we can to help those around us. Feel the pain of another. Be present in their constant suffering. Even you could see the difference between Avraham and his second wife Hagar in relation to the banishment of Yishmael and his subsequent sickness in Bereshus. Chavalaf, Sarah sees the son playing. She said, this person can't be here with my Yitzchak. It really distressed Avraham because Avraham is an Ish Chesed. Avraham is very anti-ethical. And, and to ethical to him, it's like totally against his nature. Avram, Hashem says to Avram, you got to do this. You know, it's through Yitzchak. He he woke up early. He gave them bread and a skin of water. He gave them to Hagar. People say, you know, he only gave them a tiny bit. Obviously, he gave them enough for the journey. But since he was sick, they went through it much faster. They wandered about. They went to Beersheba. When the water was gone, she left the child under one of the bushes and went and sat down at a distance. A bow shot away because she thought... Let me not look on as the child dies. Sitting thus from afar, she burst into tears. God heard the cry of the boy, not Hagar. Hashem responds to Avram's feelings for Yishmael. Hashem responds to Yishmael's cry himself, but not to his mom. Why? Because she couldn't be bothered. She couldn't be, you know, bothered with the idea that he's very sick. So she'd rather sit all the way far away that actually help him when he needs it. And make sure, in general, also, not to discredit, neglect, or put down another pain or suffering. The case of Hana has husband's Elkanah from Shmuel Aleph. Aleph. Interestingly, my wife has taught this parak many, many times. Vayomer la Elkanah, Isha Chana, Lama Tifki, Velama lo Tochli, Velama Yeira. Levavecha, Haloa Nochi Tov Lach Me Asara Banim. Elkanah says to his wife, She's very, very upset. She's in pain. She has no children. What does Elkanah say to her? Chana, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why are you so sad? Am I not more devoted, better, to you than ten sons? Chana was in real pain over the inability to have children. It wasn't about how good a husband he was or not. It was the lack of children that she sorely missed. He had have missed the point there. We shall learn from that. It reminds me of the... Very famous meme where, you know, a husband and wife are talking and there's a huge nail sticking out of the wife's head and the husband says, can I take the nail out for you? No. Can you focus on the moment? You want the nail out? Isn't it painful? She says, it's not about the nail. You know, sometimes it's not about solving the problem. It's not about finding a solution to the problem. Sometimes it's just about listening. Sometimes it's just about giving a good ear. All of us should be zocha to have good ears and listen to all our wives and to listen to when they talk. Because sometimes we need to have the right compassion, the right empathy, and not to have misplaced empathy, misplaced compassion. The very famous example is from Shaul when he spares Agag, and because of that, unfortunately, Haman comes from that. That one night that he couldn't kill Agag, Haman unfortunately comes from that. You can't have misplaced empathy. You can't have misplaced compassion for those who don't deserve it, for those who shouldn't have it. But we need to make sure to be that good 
person with a good eye and a good heart, a good neighbor. Perkeos tells us when Rav Yochanan asks his students, what is the best thing to have in life? Many people give different answers. Again, one says one good neighbor, one should be a good friend, one should have a good eye, being generous, one should be a person that has a good heart. And the answer that Rabbi Yochanan likes, and when he asks about the negative path, he also likes Rabbi Eliezer saying, you know, having a bad heart is bad because having a good eye, a good heart, means you'll be that good neighbor, you'll be that good friend, you'll be that person who looks to what people need because the essence, having the lave, leads to all those other things. If you have that heart that is empathetic and sympathetic, being able to see how you could help those around you, what can you give it to those around you, how can you put yourself in the other's shoes, even without doing anything, just by saying and by listening, how you could be at having the pulse of the community on your hands and on your heart, how you could express your sympathy and your empathy for those around you, to care for those around you, to see that there's the real aspect to do what we can. The main essence of the Torah, Hillel teaches us, is via hafta l'reacha kamocha, to assist the needy, to assist the orphan, to assist the widow, to assist the poor, to assist the gear, helping all those people who might be left out otherwise, to do what we can, that our hearts will be sensitive to people, to animals, to the world at large, doing what we can to make sure that we hold away from that anger. We approach the situation in a different way. Understand we can't judge our friends until we reach this place, as Perky Elvis teaches in 2.4. Understanding that we can't appease a friend in a time of anger. Don't comfort him at the time when the dead is right in front of him. Don't question him when he made a vow. Don't see him in his hour of disgrace from Perky Elvis 4.17. Timing and place understanding what people need don't try to rush things don't abuse feelings of mercy or pity having proper sympathy and empathy for others going out of your way on other people's behalf do do what you can to help them in different situations encouraging people working with people helping people because the essence of empathy is the idea towards humanity they have to look to what they need Help them out, being someone that has via hafta treating other people like we would want to be treated, which is the golden rule, understanding that the best thing to do to help others is to try to have that proper aspect, to go through life to seeing what they have. The best aspect of the best empathy to have is that compassionate empathy, really feeling someone's pain, taking action to help. Feeling concern for someone with the additional move towards action to mitigate the problem. The most appropriate type of empathy to have. We want to give the empathy and we want to be on the receiving end. God forbid we should need it. But it should be proper empathy where we're doing what we can to connect to the person, to help the person. Really feeling for the person. My wife's foot is hurting us. As the... Sadiq of Yerushalayim teaches us, and thinking about how you could look at a situation, you have a drunk person who's angry, is going to cause major damage, major problems in the world, but if you just sit with them and talk to them, see what they're feeling, see what they're doing, if we could internalize some of these lessons to be a little bit of a, more of an empath, the ingredients of empathy, maybe the whole world could be a little better, a little brighter, a little more peaceful, maybe we'll finally be Zohar, for the third base image to be spilt, and maybe Mashiach, and Eliyahu Anavi will finally come speedily in our days, and may that day, in fact, be today. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk to you about a topic of the week with some messages for the audience to keep here on Tani Talks Radio, brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio, powered by Radio.com. And I'm your host, Tani. <laughs>